This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, hosted by yours truly, the one and only Natty Boss, lifelong athlete, sports dietitian, breathwork facilitator, personal development junkie, and holistic performance coach. This podcast is here to change the paradigm of what it means to be a high-performance athlete. The intention and mission of this podcast is to help you create freedom, clarity, and balance in your life while giving you the tools to heal yourself, improve your well-being, and optimize performance. I believe that in order to reach our highest potential in this human experience, we must unlearn and let go of everything we've been conditioned to believe about ourselves and the world so that we can truly tap into what our divine path is and have the courage to pursue the curriculum of our soul. It's my hope that after every episode, you feel activated and empowered to make change in your life that supports you in operating from a place of alignment of who you're meant to be. Get ready for major shifts and transformation. It's time to dive in. What's up? Welcome back to the Empowered Athlete Podcast. In this episode, I have a very special guest, my friend, Shelby Manning. We are going to be diving into the conversation around self-worth, self-love, really learning how to own your worth and learn to love yourself. This is such an important conversation for every human being, but specifically gearing it towards athletes, because that's often where a lot of our hangups are, is our ability to believe in ourselves and overcome these insecurities in order to step into our potential and power. And I think that Shelby's really going to offer so much wisdom and insight from her journey and from what she does that I think is going to really change the game for you. And I'm so excited for you to be introduced to her. So a little bit about Shelby. She is the life coach you never knew you needed. She's here to help you remember your divine worth and give you the roadmap to your own liberation so you can feel your best, love the shit out of your body, and step into a more aligned and alive life. She's here to teach us the science and spirit of everything evolving around self-worth and holding us accountable in unconditional love throughout our unique process. Some amazing accolades that she has is a degree from Colgate University in theater and Spanish, uh, working in the corporate side of tech sales partnerships in New York City before she made a huge transition of that way of life of hustle culture. And now she's also a certification uh, certified in Goddess Yoga International training, ACE certified personal trainer and animal flow level one certification, precision nutrition, certified nutritionist, Reiki master, somatic release breathwork facilita- facilitator, trauma-informed coach and She also does education around supplementation and nutrition with first form. So she really loves to get certifications and (laughs) grow, grow and evolve herself. And it's beautiful because this is what we're like, we want to bring to this conversation is also the invitation to constantly evolve and grow as you come more into yourself and it's okay to make shifts in your life. We have very similar stories in kind of starting in fitness and nutrition and involving more into the spirituality and the personal development. And so she has her perspective to offer. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear what she has to say. So welcome, 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 Shelby. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. So of course, as always, I'd love to start off for people to understand a little bit more about your background, sharing your story of what got you to where you are today and a little bit about this evolution that you've had. Yeah, for sure. 
I feel like every time you're asked, like something, something different comes up. <laughs> so I'm like, what, what wants to happen? So my transition into the entrepreneurial world um, began in February, 2020. And before that, I had just sort of been going about my life, kind of doing the things that I was supposed to be doing. Um, working, living in Hoboken, working in New York City, which was just like what people did um, where I grew up on the East Coast of New Jersey. And I always had this like inkling that I wanted to work with people and I wanted to work in fitness. I was like fitness queen. I like loved fitness so much. And I was like, I wanna work with people in this capacity. Um, so my first like foray into entrepreneurship was right before slash like at the beginning of COVID in February, 2020. Um, and <laughs> the transition happened um, right after a medical crisis that I had. So I quite randomly lost vision in my left eye and most vision in my right eye, literally overnight. And the only, the, the, what I can like surmise from the whole thing of like losing my vision and having this like rare eye disease that nobody really knows what causes it. It's like sort of auto, autoimmune and sort of not. Um, but what I know to be true about it is that it was a huge wake up call and a huge trauma response from my body. Um, my body basically shutting down and being like, you have to regulate your nervous system. And also you're totally off track from like what you came here to do. Like you're not doing the job like at all. And also like, you can't bury trauma. Um, so it was like a very acute stress response, um, which I thought like didn't happen. And now that I do the work I do, I'm like, oh yeah, like this happens to people. Like visual changes as a trauma response um, are actually like not common, but it does happen. Yeah. And it's obviously, you know, very scary. Um, so that happened. And at the same time, I had a pretty spontaneous, intense spiritual awakening, which is not an uncommon thing to happen after like a medical crisis of some sort. So I received all of this insight about my life and all of these downloads about what I needed to do. And I acted on it. So I left my relationship. I hired a mentor. I started studying for my degrees, my certifications, um, and I quit my job. And so I was like, okay, like spirit made it very clear. It was like, do this thing if you want to like get your vision back and heal. And it was also like, okay, like that's one piece. And then the other piece is like, deal with your trauma. Yeah. So that's when I began really my like intense deep healing of my past sexual trauma, emotional abuse, physical abuse, um, all of, all of those, all of those things that I had stuffed down yeah. and I was like, Oh, they're like not here anymore. Yeah. And then my body was like, yeah, they are bitch. Like <laughs> you're blind now, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. So I started an intense healing journey and my entrepreneurship journey at the same time. And I was um, successful as a fitness and nutrition professional. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was sort of like the beginning, not to say I didn't come with like so many intense 
lows and mm. so many intense things, you know, when, first of all, like when you're healing trauma, that's super intense at a somatic level. And I was also doing plant medicine ceremonies, which is very intense. And then like starting a business, as you know, comes with this whole thing, which I did not know. And I always say like, I'm so glad I didn't know (laughs) what, what it would have been. Um, so yeah, it was just like a lot. It was a lot. Um, eventually I transitioned. It was like, as I healed more and more and more and like kind of freed up space, freed up capacity. Um, and also just became so aware of like my shadows that were showing up in my business, like the over delivering and like the needing to be busy and just like the dysregulation that was happening through my business and like the codependence and the people pleasing lack of boundaries, all that stuff. If you have it in your, in your system, it will show up in your business. So, um, as I started to heal, I started to like transition my business into a way that, that felt good. I moved into more mindset coaching and then life coaching and, um, doing healing work, like energy work and, um, breath work and movement, uh, like somatic work. And then, um, most recently, (laughs) as you said, permission to evolve. Now, now I am doing also intuitive business coaching. So I do intuitive life coaching, intuitive business coaching, and, um, just my healing work on the side. Yeah. So that's sort of where, where it evolved over the past, I guess, two and a half years. So a lot has happened. I also moved to Sedona, Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. So much has, so much has changed since, <laughs> since 2020. It's crazy how you start listening to your intuition and how rapidly things begin to unfold. And, yeah. and also again, permission to those listening that are stuck in a life of going through the motions. Mm-hmm. It's, recall what she just said you know all of the shifts and transformations that she's had of evolving her business and everything like that in just like a two-year time frame we are so indoctrinated in this culture that again whatever we graduated with in a degree in high uh, college we have to just follow through for the rest of our life we can't evolve we can't change we can't grow and that just isn't really the right way because we're constantly evolving as humans. So it doesn't make sense to stay in a career that is unchanging when we're constantly changing. There's an incongruency there. So it's like, why not just give ourselves permission to constantly evolve, grow and pivot to what feels good in where we are right now. And we're going to be so much happier and successful and be able to work in a way where it doesn't really feel like work and just love every single moment of it, you know? For sure. For sure. It's, it's like, we're indoctrinated into this matrix, right. Of like believing that fighting nature is normal, like fighting our natural rhythms, you know, as, as humans, like fighting our evolution and growth. Um, we just like digest what is normal and it, 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 society makes it very hard to like divest from that narrative. But like, once you fucking leave, you're like, oh my God, like, I cannot believe that. And then to your point about the intuition, like one of my teachers describes it, like when you're just operating from your ego, you are efforting and like you're, it's like you're driving a car that you think goes 20 miles an hour and it's really hard and you have to like put your foot on the gas. Like 
the whole time, like so hard and you can't let up. Otherwise you'll go even slower, but you think 20 is the most. And then you start listening to your intuition and getting in flow with the universe and doing scary things in, in the name of alignment. And then you're yeah. like, oh my God, this thing runs on its own. Like, yeah. and it goes like an infinite amount of miles per hour. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's such a cool analogy. I know. I like that analogy. <laughs> it's true though. Like, I just felt like I was like, God, I was just like pushing and like pushing my body, like trying to get smaller, like doing the thing, trying to like fit in socially, trying to climb the corporate ladder. And it's like, it's so fucking exhausting. It's just like not what we were designed to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so to come back into this conversation around, you know, self-worth and self-love, how would you define and how do you define self-worth, self-love, and why do you think they matter? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that self-worth matters more than self-love. I'll talk about that. I think that self-worth is just like the esteem, like your esteem, like how you hold yourself, uh, how valuable you believe yourself to be. Um, yeah. And more than that, more than a belief, it's like how valuable you know you are. Like, it's like a deep knowing. Like this, the conversation around self-worth is interesting because I can't extract it from like a spiritual perspective. Like yeah. you are a fucking miracle. Like you're, the fact that you are, living, breathing, listening to this podcast, have a body, like have all of your gifts, like can speak, like it's a miracle. So this, the self-worth conversation is like, it's, it's purely a remembrance. It's like remembering your worth. It's not something from my perspective that can be increased or decreased. Um, when people say charge your worth, it's like, the worth of your service maybe, but like, it's not your worth. Like you yeah. would never be able to charge your worth. It's, yeah. it can't be commercialized. It can't be thought about within the realm of capitalism. It's just like, you're a human being that incarnated on this planet. Like your worth simply is. Yeah. So that's the way I think about self-worth. It's like purely a stripping away of all of the lies and all of the programming that is telling you that you're not, but it's not something that can be like, increased yeah if that makes sense um and then self-love I like to I think that in working with I've worked with hundreds of one-on-one -on -one clients on the goal really of like self-love and like operating in self-worth and I think that I used to think about it like like if if I would if something was like neutral it would be like self-acceptance and then self-love would be like over here, like in the positive, like loving yourself, like yes. being obsessed with yourself all the time. And I think that it's just like, kind of like less relevant to my work right now. Um, and like moving forward, I kind of look at it through a Buddhist lens of just like self-love is just accepting what is yeah, in the moment. So it is, it is pretty neutral. It's like our natural state is accepting what is, and that is loving. It's like so compassionate. Yeah. So I think about self-love, I think a, a better way to think about self-love is like, I don't know, like there's a lot of stuff around, like, do you do a bubble bath? That's self-love. And like, for sure, it can be an action, like taking care of yourself. Self-care is yeah. really beautiful. But like, if you're just compassionate towards yourself, 
truly open and loving and compassionate, like if you're compassionate with yourself all the time, then you, then you're in self-love all the fucking time. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. And like you said, I think they go hand in hand very much because if you believe in your innate worthiness, it is easy to then just also naturally have that compassion for yourself too. Yeah. So like you said, I do think that self-worth precedes self-love Yeah. because that really is like the fundamental piece in order for you to start loving yourself. Yeah, for sure. Recognize that you are worthy of love. Yes, for sure. And I think the, the self-love concept is great because self-love is the only love there is like, you know, love with a capital L it's like all the same thing. So like, we think that somebody can give us love. We think that we can self-source love, but like, no, it's like divine, like capital L love. That's the only love there is. So it's like you feeling it is self-love, like you being attuned to it, you, you receiving, yes. you letting your, like letting yourself crack open to it yes. is, is the same love. But like, I think that we try to differentiate like, okay, like romantic love, that's the best love. And then there's like friend love. And then there's like God love, but like, no, it's just like fucking love. It's just like, yeah. when you feel unconditional love for yourself, then you see it in everything outside of you. 100%. Yeah. So kind of shifting into the other aspect of this conversation of what causes us to have low self-worth and what are the common beliefs that you've found in working with the women that you have that keep them stuck in this cycle of low worth? Yeah, for sure. So I kind of think of us as coming into this life as babies as not a blank slate because we have, you know, all of our lineages, all of our ancestral um, DNA and wounding and not all ancestors are healed, of course. So we're, we're bringing that in, but like, we're pretty clean. Like we're pretty, we're pretty much like just fucking babies, like believing we're worthy. Um, and you know, we pick up programming along the way and it doesn't, I think that a lot of people are hesitant to kind of bring that part out of the shadow. Um, I know I was like, there's this fear around, um, delving into your childhood or there's a lot of like, shame and guilt around the family system in our society and like believing that things were anything other than perfect. And the thing is, it's like, we can pick up programming from something that objectively is not evil, abusive, malicious. Like we pick up programming as children because we have no nuance. We have no, um, processing ability, right? Like if, if I'm crying and my mom um, turns away from me, like as a baby, I'm, I'm not going to know how to reason that out and be like, okay, well, like mom probably doesn't hate me. She's probably just busy. Like, you know, we pick up programming as children because there's, there's no nuance. It's, it's absolutely unavoidable. So, um, I, I, I see some things about how, you know, everyone's blaming everything on their parents. And it's really not, it's just understanding that like, this is the human condition. We pick up programming that informs our self-esteem, self-worth, our self-construct, like who we believe ourselves to be. It's formed by our environment. Um, 
a lot of the, for like a lot of it is formed by our environment, especially our caretakers. Um, so the wounds that I tend to see the most, you know, it's actually kind of beautiful that we all, if you get in there enough and like deeper and deeper and deeper, the core wounds are like, you can just like look at like five and be like, okay, this is like probably like the core wounds of like most of our society. Um, most humans just in general, it's kind of beautiful how with, there's just such commonality. So it's like, I'm not worthy as I am. And that could be from anything, but like, uh, God, trauma, being rewarded for performing, conditional love, yeah. which oftentimes is the only love that our parents received. So it's like, if they didn't receive unconditional love, how would they be able to model that to somebody else? Um, yeah. So that's, that's a big one. Um, I'm not lovable. I'm too much. A big one for me was like, you're bad. Like you're just bad. Um, you're selfish. It's a big one. You don't belong. That's a really big one for people. Like the black sheeps of the family, like the subtext is like, oh, I don't belong. And like, this is absolutely like all of these are, but that one, that one just to touch on, it's like, that's absolutely devastating. Yeah. to pick up that subconscious programming of like, oh, I don't belong. So like, if you pick that up, you better believe you're going to create situations in your life subconsciously that reflect back to you. Like, oh, I don't belong. See, like, I'm right. Like, of course I don't belong here and I don't belong here and I don't belong here. And it's, it's like the ego's job of trying to protect us from feeling the actual feeling that we would have to feel yeah. of not belonging, of like feeling truly alone. Yeah. Um, the ego is going to do everything in our power to keep us in whatever's familiar. So if what is familiar is feeling like you don't belong, your external reality will reflect that until you pattern interrupt and do the work around it to actively choose a new pattern. Yeah, 100%. And you kind of touched on how, you know, our external environment is a reflection of that internal wounding that we have. So I think what's really important, you know, one of the beliefs that I hold, and I'm sure that you hold the same thing is that, you know, as human beings, we are relational. So we are relational beings and we are relational to everything, even like a tree, like yeah. mm -hmm. non-living and living, even though I believe trees are still living, call me hippie, whatever you want. Girls, <laughs> everything has a soul <laughs> from, from my perspective. Yeah, everything. And so yeah. we're relational beings. And so obviously self-worth, self-love is the conversation more of like a self-to-self -self flow in relation. But we know, I'm sure that those listening, you may recall in this conversation, you know, the way that you feel about yourself is going to um, reflect in your other relationships, right? So the conversation is how does the low self-worth that we have show up in our other relationships, our self to other relationships, which is our family, our coworkers, our loved ones, our children. Yeah, for sure. So if you're operating in low self-worth and in your subconscious, is this belief or a frequency that's running that's like I'm not worthy of love if that is running in the background and it's in the unconscious and the shadow just means that it's in the unconscious we're not consciously aware um which is the only the only thing that's dangerous about the shadow is the fact that 
that we're not aware of it. Once we bring it into the light, it's like much less dangerous. It's like, oh, I'm doing that thing again, but you have the capacity to deal with it basically um, and make a different choice. But when it's running in the background, this I'm not worthy, it will show up in your relationships. And I can talk specifically about, um, you know, romantic relationships. And I was in an abusive relationship, fell into one. And I was so confused because I was like, I don't know where this came from. <laughs> like, yeah. I am so confused. Like I didn't um, see that much abuse growing up. I was just like, I don't consciously think this is good. Like I didn't want this. Right. Yeah. Um, but like subconsciously I had like deep, deep worth wounds that yeah. were, that were running and, um, you know, doing what shadow frequencies do best, which is recreating the same scenario over and over and over again, because it's what it's familiar. Therefore yeah. it registers as safe to my system. So, um, that is an extreme example of how low self-worth will show up in your relationships. But I see it all the time. And I work with a lot of, a lot of people on, um, you know, dating stuff yeah. and accepting less, accepting breadcrumbs when you want to accept, when you want a cake, right? Like yeah. accepting crumbs, not speaking your needs, not speaking boundaries, people pleasing, being so uh, afraid of the other person leaving because you're in low self-worth. So you don't, you believe it's the best that you can do. Yeah. Or uh, it's like a scarcity mindset around like, okay, well, I'm so lucky to have like anybody here. So I can't actually go for what I want. Yeah. So this could, this could reflect back in like poor treatment from your partner or not even, it could reflect back in, and I had this for years, like just attracting partners that weren't abusive, but they weren't super aligned. And I was like, subconsciously, the message there and the energetic is like, this is the best I can get like mediocre, like mediocrity. When yeah. really it's like, I used to tell myself I didn't need someone who was like spiritual on the same path, could see things the same way I see things. And like, now I'm like, that was just a fucking lie. Like that was just like fear. Um, and me, me settling for like, wherever I could get like any type of love, um, yeah. because I didn't feel completely whole and completely worthy of exactly what I wanted yes. and exactly what I deserved. So there's a, there's an element of like deservingness. Um, and you know, a lot of people in romantic relationships settle and a lot of people stay longer than they should. And it's not a judgment, but it's like absolutely fucking universal about accepting less than you deserve. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're like, Ooh, I think I'm doing that. Like, just be really compassionate and gentle with yourself and then find the tools that you need to increase your self-worth to such a degree, which we'll talk about, to take aligned action away from what you don't want and just refuse to accept crumbs because yeah. you, you don't deserve crumbs. You deserve the whole cake. It's an interesting conversation with this real quick because like there's two sides. There's like two ways to approach it. So I agree with you hundred percent in finding that aligned action and then taking whatever steps that you need to take in order to kind of get what you 
believe you deserve. But there's also this idea that, you know, we have the ability to evoke and to change our life through how we show up. Mm -hmm. So it's like, cause I don't want people to think that right now, perhaps the relationship that they're in, it's automatically a no, because it doesn't necessarily mean it's a no. What, what you want to, I would say rule out is like work on your ability to show up, work on your self-worth, work on your embodiment of Mm -hmm. who you want to be in the relationship that you want. Mm -hmm. And then if your partner is willing to meet you, Mm -hmm. then you can keep in that relationship because that's what growing is. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the saddest things that I see is people immediately going to divorce right away just Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, it's not, it's not working, but it's like, are you doing the work to actually embody the person that you want to become? And is that person meeting you? Cause if, cause if you decide to leave them and give them that choice, you're faulting them to an extent versus giving them an opportunity to rise with you Mm -hmm. you and letting them open the doors for them to also be interested in their own healing and their own growth and evolution, because they're also stuck in subconscious unconscious patterns. So they also like, if you just leave, they might have an abandonment wound to be like, uh, what happened to me? I didn't, I don't know. I did anything. Mm. So it's like, it's so important to like do the work for yourself and show up. And then once you're at that point, if they're not meeting you and they're still trying to bring you down, then that's a very clear direction that they're just misaligned. Mm -hmm. I'm curious on your thoughts on that perspective, but that's something that, you know, I really notice is like that conversation of like, well, you know, should I just leave my partner? And it's like, you know, it's more complicated than that because we also need to give them opportunity to rise. And if they're willing to meet us and willing to grow with us, then why would we leave them? That's the human experience is to to learn and grow and fail together, succeed together. And that is what makes an enriching relationship. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to leave, but if you do all the work and they try to bring you down and not meet you, it's not your job to, to just then go back down. Right. And meet them down there. If you stay in your power Mm -hmm. and then you just find somebody else who's willing to accept you in that. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And thank you for saying that when I, when I speak about this, I'm thinking about you're totally, totally right. I totally agree. I, what I'm thinking about is like incompatibility, like just like the deep knowing that like when you know that, that it's just, it's just incompatible, you do know. And then I'm also talking about like quasi abusive situations, which like is absolutely fucking rampant. Like the, the amount of like jealousy and like things that we deem as normal in our society and like the emotional abuse and like gaslighting, like there's so many things that are actually abusive that we just deem as like, Oh, it's just like a relationship. Um, but, but you're totally, totally right. And you're so it's a really good point about how like you're bringing your programming to the table and then like they're bringing their programming to the table and romantic relationships when the other person is open to uh, just like conversation and like conflict resolution and, and doing the work with you. It's like one of the most beautiful containers to actually do that work because it's such a clear mirror um, of like, your reaction to the person in your experience to the person. Um, It's such a clear mirror of like what triggers are unhealed within you that the other person is like pushing the trigger button for. Um, It's like, you're, I totally, totally agree. It's like the willingness for the other person to be open to that conversation. 
that yeah. is like the fucking point. Cause it's not that there's not going to be polarity or conflict or right. triggers. And it's not like you're like this high and mighty being, which I used to think, by the way, I used to be like, oh, like you're not like this. You're not like perfect. Um, and I'm like, bitch, no, you neither are you like you're bringing your programming to the table too. So yeah, I think that's really important to, to also know. Yeah. 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 I'm so glad that you, um, that that was something that aligned with you, but that was just something that I learned similar to like that idea of like so many people are like, yeah, now that I, you know, own my worth, I'm deserving of this too. And it's like, but if you did choose somebody, you do want to also offer them the opportunity versus just kind of you know, ditching them and thinking that you're going to find, because the, the trap you could fall in is almost like thinking that you're going to find a perfect person. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. no, bitch, you're not going to find a perfect person. You're <laughs> like, you said, you're still going to have conflict. You're still going to have triggers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's almost an escapism. Mm-hmm. It's almost a weird shadowy thing that actually is coming up. Yeah. That's seemingly, you know, coming from this place of high esteem, but really it's like, you're trying to avoid avoidant yeah that's what I was just gonna say really like avoidance of what's inevitable versus like working with it because if you think that you know of course you still want to get aligned if if you are working on a path and you want somebody who's in those same interests like a hundred percent but if you think it's doing it because you're trying to avoid the other things you're absolutely going to attract that back into that same relationship even if it's more aligned totally and it's also so personal like most I don't know I know I'm just I know a lot of people who are just deep on the spiritual path and for them, it's like not that important that their partner is. So it's it's very personal. There's not like a right yeah. or a wrong. Like what you desire in a partnership is what you desire in a partnership. But yeah. I think I think a lot of times we don't take the time to think about like, okay, like how do I actually want to feel in this relationship? Yeah. Um, which I think is like the most important question to ask, you know, in a friendship and a business partner. It's just like, how do I want to feel in relationship? And am I am I feeling that that way more 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 times than not even in conflict am i still feeling safe am i still feeling um you know accepted it, yeah. does it still feel loving or compassionate to me absolutely yeah. and so kind of leading with more tangibilities for people to start if they feel that they are at a place of low self-worth yeah um, how would you recommend someone begin learning to see the value in themselves and maybe accompanying some practices that you recommend for them to start to improve their self-worth and overall relationship to self. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the work that I do with clients. I think that, I think that a good place to start is like taking inventory, like taking a life inventory, um, because our external reality is a reflection of our internal, it could be a good place to start to see like, okay, like what's present, like what's showing up here. So, um, you know, looking at what is high self-worth, it's, it's knowing your worth. It is standing in your desires. It is, um, you know, standing in your power and anything that is not kind of reflecting that back to you, anything that's like clearly out of alignment, making you feel like shit, um, you know, habits, coping mechanisms that you know are detrimental to you um, ones that you might be like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Um, those are important ones to look at. Um, you know, it could be like your relationship with your boss. Like if your boss is, is treating you poorly and you're still there, like that's data. It could be with a partner. Um, it could be 
um, you know, your relationship to your body, like, okay, like what's present here in my relationship to my body? Like, I wonder why this is the way it is. Um, you know, I struggled with eating disorders forever. And so a good thing for me to look at was like, why am I doing this to myself? Like, why am I operating in low self-worth in this area? And when you ask that question, people know, right? Like we're, we can, we can kind of point to areas of our lives. Like, Ooh, like that's kind of not high self-worth. I'm kind of settling here. I'm kind of hurting myself accidentally here. Um, so I think that is like the first place to start and, you know, taking it at your own pace, especially if you're going, uh, if you're doing it alone and, you know, something easy that I always say to clients is like, look at that list, whether it's like scrolling social media or like intentionally following social people who make you feel like shit or like, um, like starving yourself or like over-exercising or like, I don't know, like smoking, vaping, like for some people weed, like whatever, whatever it is that you know is like, okay, this is not high self-worth. Make the cuts on the things that you can immediately. Just like clear- Like the lowest hanging fruits. Yes, yes. Like I always just say like, make the cuts. Like it's, this process is like simple, but not easy. So like make the cuts on those things, like save the deeper things, like maybe the relationship that you're trying to figure out, maybe like, um, you know, lack of boundaries with your mom, like our deepest wound, <laughs> um, like the body image stuff that's like bigger, but like make the cuts with the stuff that is, it's like, okay, I can like kind of up the ante here. Like I can, I can raise my self-worth immediately here. It could yeah. be as something as simple as like saying no to something like clearing your calendar or like cleaning your room or, um, and then thinking about addition. So like in, in this kind of like more superficial level, like what could you be doing? Uh, what would someone in high self-worth do on a daily basis? So, um, I like to tell people like, imagine someone who like really loves themselves. And I would be like happy to like be this archetype for people. If you like want to, um, like, like what, like my clients say, like, what would Shelby do? Like, how, what would she eat? Like, what would she, how would she talk to herself when she fucks up? Like, you know, whatever, someone who you perceive as being, you know, like pretty loving with themselves, um, or it could just be yourself. And so that could be like, um, you know, it could be like meal prepping. It could be like meditating. It could be journaling. It could be like um, making a commitment to yourself to like walk three days a week. It could be, um, you know, finding time to like be creative or be in nature or um, making sure that you're like socializing with people you love once a week or something like that. Like it could be eating nourishing meals. It could be um, making sure you're sleeping well. Just like looking at your kind of like day to day and being like, okay, like what would somebody in high self-worth do, act like, what, what activities would they participate in? Would they gossip? Would they be around toxic people? Just like, kind of like take a look at your day-to-day. Um, so I think that's a good, a good thing to do. And that's and then, a powerful starting place. I mean, it's so easy to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, I would say the biggest obstacle in just taking action towards that simple question is you got to be radically honest with yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to be radically honest with yourself and it might bring up uncomfortable feelings. There might be things like shame and guilt when you recognize like, oh, wow, this is what mm-hmm. I've been committed to. But that's where we come back to that conversation of that self-compassion and forgiving yes. yourself because Absolutely. it really wasn't your fault mm-hmm. to what got you to where you are. But through this inventory, this honest, open 
communicative inventory, it then becomes your responsibility, which is something that people sometimes don't want to admit because then when it's our responsibility, then we can't blame. We can't Mm -hmm. complain, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it just feels so much better to stay in victim mentality because we get to just sit here in complacency. But the consequence of that is living a life that you feel uninspired by. Mm -hmm. Totally. The radical self-honesty is absolutely necessary. And that's something I just like fucking love about all of my clients. They're just like, here's my deepest shame. And I'm like, great. Yeah, like, yeah. Talk about it. Like, like you have to, you do have to get to the point where you're like, I'm actually sick of this shit. And I'm sick of lying to myself. Like the, yeah. one of my favorite journal prompts is like, where am, where am I lying to myself? Like, what am I intentionally not seeing? You know, yeah. Yeah. we all fucking self-deceive, like we'll self-deceive all the time. Um, so yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. And also with the radical responsibility for your life, it's like, once you get over the hump of like, Ooh, okay. So like it was my programming, but I also have been like doing this. Then you actually have the agency to change Yes. when you're like, okay, life is happening to me. And obviously there's like, there's so much here, right? Like there's systems of oppression. It's not an even, it's not an even ground here. Um, you know, you're, you're up against more here if you have gone through like big T trauma than if yeah. you haven't. So there's there's yeah. a lot there. But you know, the radical responsibility for your life thing, that's like fucking everything. Yeah. That's like the only way to take ownership over your life again. 100 yeah. percent 100%. And you kind of touched on it a little bit. And I don't know if there's anything more you want to add, but we kind of talked about this idea of like the shadows. So mm-hmm. like in regard to shadow work and ego work if you want to expound on kind of your definitions of them, but then what role they play in healing our core wounds and stepping into our power. Yeah, for sure. So I think that it's really important to have the, have, have a deep understanding of your self-construct of all the elements of yourself, all of your parts that make up who you believe you are. Like who I believe Shelby is, um, who my ego is telling me I am. It's so important to like start there. Um, and the ego is who it's the most basic part of the personality. It's, it's who we identify with as I, um, and it is influenced directly by the, our outside world and our programming. And it's main objective is to keep us safe and alive. Um, so this is also our storyteller and the sense maker. So it is the only part of the conscious personality. So it's mediating between all the different parts of your psyche, um, including the unconscious, including the subconscious, including the pre-conscious, but it's like everything, like the ego is very important, but the trouble comes when we're not able to, and the ego is not bad and we're not trying to dissolve the ego. Um, well, maybe later on in your path, maybe, but, um, it's like, I think it's about developing a healthy relationship to your ego. Um, I agree. and not letting the ego drive, like to, to make sure that you, that your ego is not like driving your life, um, altogether because if the ego is, if the ego is driving your life, 
the only thing that it cares about is familiarity and safety. Yeah. So if you think about all the beautiful things that you want in your life, expansion, um, growth, challenge, you know, love, like unconditional love. If you've never seen that before, your ego is going to be like, fuck, no, we don't want that. Like your ego only wants what it knows. So it's a dangerous game to not have the differentiation between ego and soul. And this is a very basic like way that I think about it. But like, if you don't have any sort of connection to your soul, your higher self, um, your, you know, your divinity, your, your spirit, the part of you that does not die, the part of you that wants expansion and, and, and unconditional love and, and wants growth and evolution, you know, there has to be mediation between the ego and the soul. And we have to be able to challenge our ego. Yeah. Otherwise we wouldn't get literally anywhere because the ego is like gonna, it's gonna put a kibosh on like anything, any good changes that we're trying to make in our life, any expansive changes, like a big investment in yourself, uh, leaving a partnership, doing a workout, uh, eating a meal, like it could be anything. Um, if you're wondering why it's so difficult to change it's because the ego has a strong hold on what is familiar and we'll do literally anything to keep us alive and quote safe, which is familiar. So, I mean, if the ego is housing all of our beliefs about how worthy we are, it's going to keep us in the same systems. Yeah. So if we believe our, our worth is like, I don't know, like a four out of 10, the ego is going to create scenarios in every single area of our life, in our habits and our thoughts and our coping mechanisms and our body image, in our bank account, in our jobs, in our relationships, in our relationships self that keep us out of four. It's yeah. going to keep us there. So to develop a connection with your soul, with the expansive part of yourself, with your highest self, with your highest timeline, um, and start to communicate between your ego and soul there has to be a mediator like you have to mediate between all the different parts of yourself and recognize that you are so much more than this ego that has been front and center like operating 99 percent of your life before this moment perhaps of like becoming conscious of it um it's just about like decentralizing the ego not demonizing it letting it be there and finding it it's like it's literally switching the operating system like Like my, my soul is driving and my ego is here instead of like my ego is driving and I like can't really see my soul. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So is there any advice you would give to women who are new into this healing journey, or maybe this conversation is opening their mind to maybe embark on one, but they feel the fear around addressing their past, knowing that we talked about there's shadows that are present, things that are uncomfortable come up, you know, um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to embark on that, but needs to kind of um, move through that fear? Yeah, for sure. I think that it is work that you could potentially start alone if you have to, um, you know, how to do the work is a good book, um, that a lot of people like, and it's kind of like a self-paced how to do work with yourself, how to work with your psyche. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of books, but really that one in the show notes, that's from the holistic psychologist Yeah, and yeah. she's absolutely incredible. So I'll put her book in the show notes because it is a great step-by-step system For sure. that you can do on your own, you know, and just pace yourself through it, which is really important. Right. And then the other thing is like, if you can, I would highly, highly recommend as you're delving into 
um, shadow work, unconscious work, ego work, especially if there are known T traumas, big T traumas, I would recommend working with someone, working with a therapist, working with a somatic practitioner, working with a breath worker, working with um, a coach, working with Natty, working with me, you know, working with somebody to hold you in that. Because yeah. the thing about um, the thing about trauma and all of this is trauma, right? Yeah. Um, and the thing about programming is that it all happened in relationship. It's all relational wounding. So it has to be healed in relationship, which yeah. is the power of having a coach or a therapist or a group. It's, it's why any type of healing modality works. It's the safety of the relationship and the repatterning that can happen within that relationship. So it's not to say that you can't do shadow work alone. I have a course on um, body love, worth, pleasure, um, and programming and ego, like understanding your psyche called Body Speak, which is starting in November, if you're interested in that. Um, that's like a group container, but really like, I, I believe most of this has to be healed in relationship. I think the awareness can come alone, but a lot of times when we're doing like the self-help thing, we have all this awareness and yeah. it's like just us and us. And we're like, okay, like, what do I do now? Um, so I think working with a practitioner that can help you, um, actively change your mind, whether it's through, you know, behavioral, behavioral therapy or, um, breath work or hypnosis or subconscious work, or just coaching and like actually working on the aligned action part, like taking steps toward the thing. That's like the yeah. reason I always have a coach because there's always going to be an edge and I need, I want, I, I want and deserve somebody to hold my hand through the edges so that I can, can continue to grow. Um, yeah. so it's not like it will ever go away. Your, your edges, the edges where your ego is like, Oh my God, this is not safe. It's just like, I think that if you have the capacity to, to find, to find support for it. Yeah. 100%, 100%. Yeah. Well, and what's one thing that you know now that you wish you knew sooner in regard to self-love, self-worth? Such a good question. So there's two things. And this is just what I believe, like, like self-help books are not going to do it. Like they're not going to actually do it for you. Like they're not going to do it. The awareness is not enough. Like, yeah. I wish that you could see my bookshelf. It's just like, I was just like, okay, another book, like another book, more information, information, information. I would, I would venture to say to anyone listening, you don't need more information. Probably like you probably don't need more information. You probably just need integration and to actually work with the material that's present. Yes. So yeah, I, I would tell myself like, stop buying books, stop reading Insta therapy and yeah. work with someone, work with someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also just the basic principle of like, no human is broken. Like I thought I was broken for, for, for so long. Um, mm. I wish I had known that like self-love is not a destination. It's available right now in all of your shit and shame and guilt. Like it's always been available because yeah it's just accepting what's here. So it's like, when we're in denial of what's here, then we can't be in self-love, but, um, you know, that self-love is not a, not a destination. And that fundamentally it's impossible for a human to be broken. 
Yeah. Oh, that's such a good, good takeaway for people to hear. I hope if nothing else, that last bit here, because it really is so important. So many people that come to me, they, they do feel that like that they're broken and therefore these external things, even programs are going to fix them because they're broken, you know, and then there's constantly this external seeking. I know I fell into that trap for a while just constantly fix it, you know, external programs or, or this or that to be the solution that I'm looking for. The solution always comes from within, but you make guides and mentors to help you come back into yourself. And that's the role that they play versus actually being the fixer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody is healing you, right? Like you're, you're healing you but we need to be healing in the presence of an empathetic witness. Like we have to be healing. Yeah. It's so important to be witnessed. Yeah. And I was going to say that earlier. I didn't, cause I just felt like you covered it, but that was the word that came to mind when it comes to healing, you know, having those mentors or the coaching programs or whatever. It's like, that's what we need. That loving unconditional witness Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. really be able to process and to shift and transform you know, the knowing really isn't enough. If anything, it might just make you straight up crazy because all this opened awareness and you may still be operating in pattern because you haven't really healed or liberated any energy, but you have all this awareness around it and you feel like crazy. I know I felt crazy for a while and I realized, oh, I need to stop taking in information. I need to actually digest and integrate and embody and heal to create spaciousness in my body. Yes, for sure. I would love to ask you what the role of breath work has been for you on your journey in this, in working with your ego and working with your shadows and, you know, pass bypassing your limiting programming, your limited programming. Breath work for me, really, it's just coming back to what you had mentioned earlier. It's giving myself permission to feel Mm. it's just really letting myself feel and removing any resistance by just embracing acceptance of what is Mm. allowing myself to accept because the way I see it is the more that we accept we are working with the resistance which eliminates resistance which creates the stream of well-being and openness and spaciousness and then it's just from that place of being in that capacity that like everything else shifts like everything becomes so much easier to show up for yourself and to be more aligned with your next direction with the decision that you have to make like all of the doings are just a result of the being Mm -hmm. but I can't really be when there's just so much stagnation so breath work really helps to just constantly release stagnation and just create massive amounts of clearing and opening for receiving Mm -hmm. and and being it it just helps me so much too in gaining like you said like that clarity with that like radical self-ownership when there is a trigger when there's this it's like immediately coming back into understanding it more and processing those feelings and releasing the stories around the feelings but really still allowing myself to feel the feelings because the feelings are real but the Mm -hmm. story that the feelings are attached to aren't real so it's like that breathwork helps me with that discernment process of like, it's time to feel the suck. And what are the stories that are coming up around this? Let mm-hmm. me release that. 
offer my inner child what she needs to get that new messaging. And then if it's in relation to somebody else, like a trigger that I'm processing, then, which can be a really hard edge for people, it's once I gain, I never have communication or conversation with another person who triggers me without getting clarity within myself. Mm. I need to get clarity within myself. I need to understand what exactly is my wound? What is exactly my need? Because otherwise I'm going to have a conversation that's going to go nowhere because I don't have clarity of what I need. So breath work helps me create that clarity. And then I can go to that person to be like, this is exactly what my trigger was. Mm -hmm. This is why this is my need. And is this something you're able to support me with? Or how can we move through this moving forward so that I met and you're also met. And this is kind of what we were talking about in that relationship with other and those romantic relationships. If you do that in a relationship, I mean, that's just, it's so empowering, but that is like, in my opinion, just like what it means to be human and like operating in like a healthy relationship is being able, like you said, just to communicate mm-hmm. so much of our issues are just not communicating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so like, but you have to be willing to have that conversation within yourself, but breathwork has been the modality to help me gain all of that so that I can then just really be able to navigate life in a more, I would say, just conscious way and really just taking life in just this autonomous way, like just being the the boss of your life, which is kind of you know, the mantra behind everything that I do, you know, it's something that I created in high school, like be your own boss. And that, that slogan has evolved so much when I actually understood what it meant to have that. But long story short of it is just breath work has really been that place for me to just really develop a deeper connection to myself and gain clarity within myself, which then again, when I have that within without also reflex. Yeah. Mm, that's so good. We Thank speak we speak, we speak the same language. <laughs> I hope everybody understood that. No, it's so <laughs> good. That can actually seem like what the hell did she just say? No, it makes it's I have the same experience. And just like the spaciousness that's so related to where I'm like make the cuts. Like we have we have a very we have a huge lack of space in our psyches, minds stomachs sometimes if you binge like I did like spaces like we need space like we need space so much yeah yeah and the way that I really like for for those listening like just a simple attunement practice that can be really simple is just like viewing things as density or like light and I just constantly tune my body. Am I feeling dense in my body right now? Because if I'm feeling dense in my body to any degree, there's stuck energy that needs to be liberated. Absolutely. Giving myself the, the, the gift of time and space to pause, whatever I'm doing to re-regulate myself and create that spaciousness. Because I know that when I do that, everything else flows so much easier. So what does that mean? Like if you're having resistance around writing an email, right? I'm a business owner. So if I'm having resistance doing one of the things on my to-do list, right? I don't force myself to do the thing anymore. It's okay. There's resistance here. So let's get what we need to do. Like maybe it needs to be an intuitive dance session. Maybe we need to go for a walk around the neighborhood. And then I come back, literally I can bang out three months of work in like two hours. Yeah. Like it's so worth taking that time for yourself to re-regulate and to, to feel whole and energized and open in your body because everything else just flows from that because there's no resistance anymore. For sure. For sure. 
So with all of that said, <laughs> what is brewing in your world right now? What offerings do you have? You mentioned Body Speak um, and obviously any links to all of the programs. And I know that you have a retreat coming up. Um, you know, we'll put that in the show notes, but what is happening and brewing in your world right now for those who are interested in potentially connecting deeper with you? Yeah. So I have three things um, available right now. So I have a few one-on-one coaching spots open. These are four month containers. It is either life coaching or business coaching. Um, and that is, yeah, I have two open right now. So you can apply for that and with the link in my bio, that's the main way that I work with people that I work with clients. Um, and what else body speak is my six week virtual group program. That's all online. It's a combination of coaching calls and education on body, self-worth, self-esteem, ego, your ego construct, um, with really actionable steps and tools around how to improve your relationship to self and body. This is like my shit. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to run this again. That's going to be starting on November 1st and you can apply. Um, I can put a link in the show notes. And the last thing is that I host a retreat called rewild and it is in Sedona, Arizona, where I live, which is a magical fucking place. Um, and it's a three night, four day, um, experience all about rewilding. And for anyone that doesn't know, that's like getting back to our primal nature. It's all about embodiment practices. It's all about, um, sisterhood. It's all about nature, nourishment, nakedness, um, ritual. It is like, a witchy woman's fucking I was just about to say witchy, witchy woman. It's, yeah. it's witchy. It's primal. It's fucking amazing. Like it's so amazing. <laughs> the last one literally like rocked all of us. It was so good. So I'm doing it again in January, January 12th to the 15th. And, um, if you sign up for rewild the retreat, um, between now and the end of September, you can get one month of coaching free or body speak for free, which is a $2,000 value. So, um, that feels exciting to offer that to people. So that's, that's good. until the end of Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about what's coming up. Yes. I'm so excited. And of course I'll put her Instagram in the show notes so you can follow along with her magical witchiness. She's such a beautiful element to add to your feed. And um, if any of you have any takeaways or insights or downloads, I know that you have at least a billion. So I would love for you to share it with us on social media, tagging Shelby, tagging us, the body by boss. And we'd love to hear your takeaways of this episode. I really hope that what we had to offer, if nothing else, provided you just with a newfound awareness of maybe embarking on your own healing journey, or at least getting you in a space where you start to think about the things in your life. And we offered some tangible things here. So again, I always believe in part of the role of this uh, podcast is not to just inform you, but to give you these actionable steps. It's to transform you, not just inform you. So part of that transformation means integrating when we offer these integrations in episodes, take something away and start implementing it in your life. It's the only way to see immediate change. So would love if you did that. And thank you so much, Shelby, for being here, for tuning in with us. And it was such an honor. You're such a beauty and we'll talk with you soon. Yeah, thank you. 
Thank you.